2: What
1: is the thing that we can all do to really support the growth and development of this child and raise their own belief in what's possible?
2: The educational landscape has shifted. The social mobility is very segregated. Therefore, politically, the same thing is happening.
1: The decisions you make around that child's education are of paramount importance. What can we do that would make educators' lives
2: better? How do we make change that you can see in the classroom?
0: They don't have summers off. They're not on a break. Most of the time that kids are not in school, teachers are still working. To impact
1: our urban public schools, to impact the life of a child, we really wanted to elevate the profile of our city as well as elevate the opportunities that exist in education
0: here. I'm Jen Maestas and you're listening to Miss Education. Hey guys, it's Jen. Thanks for joining us today. I am back in the studio with my education besties. Um, if you have not listened to the other episode of The Three of Us, you need to make time to do that because <laughs> it's good stuff. It's great. I loved it. <laughs> um, so you, you are, if you have listened to it, you already know these two ladies. Uh, you know their brilliance and you know their humor and you are as excited as I am right now because they're back. So, girls, back. say hey. hello. Hi. I affectionately call them the salty bees uh, when they're not around. <laughs> <laughs> they are the uh, co-founders of San Antonio Leaders and Teachers, and I love them dearly. And if you didn't know, we hosted a book club, and we met four times. We read together, um, It Won't Be Easy, by Tom Radmaker. Thank you. I was going to say Todd, but I knew that wasn't right. It was Tom. Mm -hmm. Um, We love that book. Like, I I love that book. I think it should be required reading. Um, Really, I was going to say for first-year teachers, but honestly, for every teacher, because you will relate to it. It's so relatable. (laughs) Uh, It cracked our guts up. And there is a part in that book where Tom is talking through – what teaching was in comparison to what he thought it would be and some of the advice he received and if you if you know anything about teaching teaching is not anything like what you think it is nothing like whatever you're imagining right now (laughs) it's not like that it's not like that (laughs) if you're not a teacher if you are a teacher you know exactly what we're saying (laughs) um so so that night when we read that section about the advice that tom had been given we asked some of all of our teacher friends that came to the book club to do a flipgrid, so Jenny tell us what a flipgrid is okay, so flipgrid is a
3: um it's an instructional technology piece, so it's a um way for you to um give a response to a prompt or to a question and you just take a little video of yourself so just think of an. Um, insta story or vlogging but a very short like a minute long uh, response and then you can have it all so it's a great classroom tool because you could ask your kids um to respond to their um like it's a a formative assessment and they can respond orally to it i love how you always bring in classroom strategies strategies. that no matter what we do and if anyone teachers out there (laughs) wants some more help on flipgrid i'm totally down
0: yeah so just email us or find us on social media send us a message jenny will show you how to set up your flipgrid so we set up a flipgrid that night and we asked a really important question we said what was the worst advice you ever received what
3: triggered the negative emotion
0: So we are going to... Go ahead, Jenny. And the sentence stem was...
3: (laughs) (laughs) The worst advice I ever received was...
0: So we asked all of our participants to respond. And they did such a beautiful job of it. And we were so shocked uh, by some of what they said that we thought, Man, is this true for other people too? Um, There were a couple of, of what they said that I thought, Yeah, dude, I totally heard that advice. That same exact advice I have heard before. And some of it i don't know it's some version of it i may have given some bad advice um so coupled with what we read in the book and what these teachers said i recognized that i actually did give some bad advice to some first-year teachers so if you were a first-year teacher and you worked with me jen maestas or my old name uh jen cardona I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm real sorry. I gave you bad advice. Um, you are. You can send me a message, and I will handwrite an apology if I have to.
4: Let us
3: know, <laughs> or you can tell us how bad she messed you up <laughs> and how long you listened to her advice. <laughs> then you need to come on the podcast. Now that would and tell be us a story.
0: Yeah. Um, but you know, this is now my 19th year in education in san antonio and i've learned a lot i've learned so much and i i know that i'm not going to give the same bad advice ever again so we thought that to close out this season it would be fun and it would be interesting to hear the worst advice that some of our educator friends have ever gotten so today we're going to play and we have their permission by the way (laughs) (laughs) they They all gave us permission to share their audio clips um so we're gonna just kind of go through a rundown of the worst advice educators in San Antonio have ever been given and we're gonna I think we're gonna start with ours right like yeah. let's, let's sure. tell, let me, let, we'll tell you what the worst advice we've ever gotten, and then we'll kind of sprinkle in some of our teacher friends who, who wants, to wants to go, go first <laughs> oh man you. Go ahead, Jen. You have the least amount of wine in your glass, so that means you're more ready than the rest of us, Veronica. So do oh, it. <laughs> okay. Um.
4: So I was thinking about this for about <clears throat> over a week now, talking to different uh, teachers on my campus. Um, and mine, I don't think, was any one particular piece of advice that they actually said, don't do this or do this. It was just a general... um. I guess feel for the whole year and that was it was my first year teaching obviously and you know when you're a first year teacher you're kind of above you're gonna go all out you're gonna do everything you want to do all the cool projects those jello molds all that stuff you want to do all of that so I had a teacher on my grade level who would just be like you don't want to do that those kids can't do it they're not up to here um they don't know what what they're doing they don't know how to it was just negative 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 always Um, no matter what I did prizes projects um, reports it didn't matter the kids couldn't do it and so that just made me so mad all year because that was why I got into education was to help students was to you know, improve their education. Um, And so that just made me, if you know my personality, I guess it just made me more determined that I was going to do it. And who are you to tell me anything? (laughs) And yes, I can. (laughs) And yes, they can. And yes, they can. Exactly. So I did it. I did all that stuff. I bought everything for the kids. Like I gave them prizes. We did it. Um, And that was, I think, the best thing. So that to me was just an overall um, feeling of of the kids couldn't do it. And was I knew that could. from one particular teacher, or was it several adults the It was on the one particular teacher that told um, you they just they just they couldn't, just, yeah, couldn't just handle it. Couldn't handle it. Wouldn't behave. Didn't know how to do it. Whatever it was, whatever I was doing, it was it just wouldn't work.
0: That's so interesting because I'm sitting here like, okay, but if they can't do it yet. Isn't that sort of your job? And like you right there. A little bit. A little bit. Like, aren't you sure <laughs> that they can? Uh,
4: that whole what you just said, is like everything I always say every year they can't do it yet. 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 So, um, yeah, exactly. That's our whole job teach is to teach them how, teach to, them do them how it. to do it.
0: If they come to you, I used to tell that to my kids, my students. Like, mm-hmm. if you come to me and you tell me, I already know how to do this and I can make a hundred on it okay then why are we doing it tell me what you can't do and then I will teach you because I'm a teacher <laughs> <laughs>
4: yes exactly That's so
0: up. um
4: yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> I like how you did it in spite of you just kept I the cool s- projects and did all I the challenging and the fun and the prizes and it wasn't a good year but um yeah Got definitely mm-hmm. and you raise the expectations for your kiddos totally 100 percent. but i think that is again i think that's my personality of um you can't tell me what to do
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hold her earrings. <laughs> watch out
4: <laughs> so what about anybody else who else
0: okay i'll go
3: next i have kind of a twofer uh two for one so the first one that I talked about on my Flipgrid was when I um, taught middle school, and uh, every Friday, as an incentive, they could go um, outside and play, and it would be like tag or football or it was an o- it was always an organized game, and I made sure that everybody participated. Most of the time, I forced them to, and they're like Miss Rosas, but they ended up playing and having a good time. And um, I had another adult who was a lower grades teacher and told me that um playing with them was unprofessional and it was not the right thing to do and I was like playing like tag I don't know (laughs) tag or football or soccer a lot of soccer because I
0: make sure that I I, I
3: did a lot of soccer exposure to my students um so any of those and I was like why she's like because they're going to see you laughing and playing and they're, you're going to lose your authority and you're going to lose. And so for me, I'm like, well, it's important for them to know that I'm a human and that I laugh and that I play and that um, I'm not just this academic you know, lady that wants for them to read. I also have another facet to me. So she didn't want me to play with them. I don't know if it was that. And then she was like, it's just not appropriate. And I'm like, why? She's like, they're, they're going to see you laugh and play and, and be happy. So it was really strange <laughs> to me. Heaven forbid Teachers we be should happy to not, not be happy around their kids. So I um, I just did my own thing. I was, you know, My students had been fifth graders at their school and they stayed to be sixth graders. And so they were kind of lost in the trenches because they weren't quite at a regular middle school and they weren't in elementary school anymore. So we were kind of finding their own identity and finding our own way because we were at an academy. So they didn't have a precedent um, as to how they should act anyway. Um, so another advice, terrible advice that I got, the worst advice, second worst advice, um, was like my first week of teaching. I was a kindergarten teacher. And um, she, she just told me, you know, they're not they're not all going to make it. You know, t- t- statistics show that pick out the ones that are going to drop out and pick out the ones that are going to get this and pick out the ones. I'm like, oh, no. Wow. Like, I'm not writing them off when they're five. And so, oh, wow. um, but just what surprised me was that, the mindset that she came with after she was a veteran teacher 30 plus years and had already had already decided um and the way she ran her classroom was very much that was there was a pocket that she would focus on and everybody else would work on handwriting or nothing at all or stay on the computer the whole time and so her her classroom culture and the way that it functioned was that she had already hand selected the ones that were going to make it
0: oh and then it just becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy absolutely i
4: mean yeah absolutely especially I think if they don't have anybody rooting for them elsewhere like yeah. this yeah. is what they come to the classroom for is for us to say yes you can do it you can be anything you want and even for me like there were some parents of that that were who had their children in that
3: teacher's classroom and they were very involved and they were always on campus but it's like she would close the door and you don't know what what's happening so you don't know if your child is getting books or if they stay on the computer or if they have to do worksheets the whole time you don't really know because some not all her kids got to go to centers which was interesting but
0: wow Hmm. yeah yeah not cool lady not cool
3: not cool so jen tell us about your
0: well so terrible so the worst advice for me kind of goes with a little it, it like reminded me of what you were saying with your first one about not playing with your kids because i had had several people tell me do not smile don't smile until like december they need to really feel like you have the authority in the classroom you need to be stern you need to use a teacher voice you need to be direct uh, you don't need to let them know that you are happy in any way like just wait until like january then around january you can ease up and by then you've established that you mean business and i don't i don't know i don't know if that advice was because most of my, I've taught fifth grade my, my first year teaching. And that was actually not my first year. That was like my second or third year. Um, but my fifth graders were generally taller than I, I am. <laughs> I'm not a very tall person. Um, and I do, I am, I think I'm generally pretty chill. Like I'm, and I'm a morning person. So I wake up and I'm like, good morning. It's a new day. And I'm just happy. I wake up happy. And I realize that other people like most of my immediate family, they are not morning people. They <laughs> are like, stop talking. Why are you smiling? I, so maybe it was just that that person wasn't a morning person, and they're like, "What? You know, is it a good morning? Really? Stop is smiling. It's seven in the morning. <laughs> have I, had any coffee? I don't know.
4: I have was, heard that advice so many times, uh, and even when I was asking teachers around my campus, that was twice that teacher said. I was told not to smile, not to have any fun until the middle of the year, until January. So I don't think it's that uncommon for teachers to get that advice their first year of teaching.
0: I I really struggled with it because it would stress me out because I think I was doing everything wrong because I would go in happy every day. And, <laughs> and but I never lost control of my classroom. I mean they and I, I, you know, there is a switch that I can flip where I am like I Y'all better sit got down. Switch. Like, I'm not joking around. You should all have it. You should have it. We you should. Know? Like, it's this is serious business. It's serious. What we do is serious. What I do is serious. What you do is serious. So there is that element. I, I get that you have to, you know, you have to earn your students' respect, too. But it was a real struggle for me <laughs> to hear, like, do not smile until January. That was hard. And I never, I, you know, I even when I tried to do that, I couldn't. So I failed at that. Um, <laughs> Did you will, fail?
2: Did I, you fail?
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I will say like the worst advice I've given somebody um, is to just close their door and do whatever they, they think that needs to happen which is something I told a lot of my teacher friends I think I probably told that to Veronica when we mm-hmm. were colleagues um, and the reason I think it's bad advice now is because I realized that I should have pushed back I just I should have had the hard conversations and I should have said, that's not okay. Like, w- and, and I guess I realize now that when someone told me don't smile until January, I should have been the person that just pushed back and said, that makes no sense to me. Instead of saying, I heard what you said, thanks. I'm gonna go to my classroom, close my door and just smile. <laughs> <laughs> but and I think, just be who
4: I am. I think as first year teachers, you don't know to do that. You honestly think, okay, I've got to get these kids, you know, my classroom management has to be great. I've got to get them in line. I've got to do this. You have so many things that you need to do that you think, okay, that is the way. I don't think you know any different no, until you're not. in it and you're smiling. Like, how else are you going to build right. relationships with students? I think I think so common as a
3: first year teacher, you forget that you're gonna teach humans. Right. <laughs> <You're> like, there's, <laughs> yeah, got, exactly. there's a human factor to what I gotta do here. And yes. if there is no rapport, if there's no relationship, if, there, if the kids, get dead, it's not gonna get done. There's no significant learning that's, not, that's gonna happen without a relationship there. And it all happens when the kids feel warm and comfortable mm-hmm. and safe. And sometimes, particularly for my demographic and our demographic, our kids need to feel safe and they need to feel welcome and they need to feel wanted in their classrooms by their teacher. Well,
0: and teachers want the (coughs) same thing, which is always what was interesting to me is that I would get to work and I had had a boss that would, the second you walked in the door, it would be like business, you know, Mm -hmm. like you open the door, to let yourself into the building and it would be like you need did you do that report that you know you need to pull your data and you need to color code it and you need to turn it in by four and i'm like dude i just walked in the door like i I haven't even put my purse down where's my coffee i'm smiling oh my gosh all right all right we're gonna start the day like this every day and it was a struggle for me then too and i thought well i'm not gonna do that to my to absolutely to nine-year-olds yeah like hey guys get your homework turned in where's your pencil you didn't do it <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, your, and red your folder and your pen oh, and, uh, no. like it's stressful it stressed yeah. me out to walk into the door like that it would stress i don't know okay i'm enough well, about that
4: i think that no i think that's totally 100 true because i think in order like we were saying to build those relationships students need to feel comfortable in the classroom they need to be able to take risks they need to be able to know that it's okay if they get the answer wrong and it's not going to be the end of the world. You know? Always
0: in crisis mode. And it's right. okay if they
4: smile, too. Right. And it is they okay. They right. They may have, again, it's some of the kids that we work with, when they go home, they have to be serious and they yeah. have to take care of maybe a, a sibling or someone else. But here on campus, in this You're classroom, safe. You get to be nine years old. You get to go out and play. Even when you're in eighth grade, you can still go out and play tag, play soccer, play basketball. They need that. So kind of
3: talking about Tom, the author of the book we read, um, he he got that same advice, too, that you were saying, like, just close, close your- the door mm-hmm. just close the door and do what you think is best but in his book he's like that's the worst advice like if I'm doing something wrong I want to know if I'm doing something right I want other people to see it and so
0: right being so in, in isolation, the margin of the, the book the I wrote oops, oops. because <laughs> <laughs> oops. I that I felt that way where it's like I, whatever anybody else says I'm gonna nod and smile and say okay yeah right, okay you and bet. then I'm gonna <laughs> go back to my room close my door and do what I know needs to be done. Absolutely, yeah. Which I think we've all been in that predicament before.
4: I I think so too. And and the more I thought about that particular part of the book, because I know I thought, yeah, I've done that. I have I have been like, yes, you bet, I'll do it. You mm-hmm. bet. All right. I go to my classroom, and I'm going to shut the door. I'm going to do me. But so I to think- all
0: our old bosses.
4: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> My sorry, not word. sorry. No, but, but eventually, <laughs> but eventually, when you when you do your own thing sorry. and you take the risk, it pans it, out. It does because it does.
3: I'm like, hey, so and so is going to come see you. And you're like, all right,
4: like, I guess. And I'm that's not that what crazy. I was going to say is you have to be able to open that door to have someone else on your grade level, have someone else, just a different teacher, to say, you know what, this isn't such a good idea. What about this? Yeah, or yeah. this worked for me. It right. Didn't really work. Because the more I think we talk about that and spread what's working in our classrooms, it's going to be okay to do it. We won't have to close the door. All right. So let's listen
3: to some of our responses from our book club attendees, reads and reds members. Do
0: y'all want to? Do I just play it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think let's start. Yeah. So these are clearly um, these are our friends, and they're all anonymous. Um, So you know. Thank you for letting us play your audio clip, um, because, like Veronica said, the more the more conversations we can start, the better things get. So
2: okay, I think I'll just play the first one. Yeah,
0: play the first one.
5: So the worst advice I ever received was um, my first year teaching um, in school. I taught fourth grade, and I had a student who was way below grade level. He was at first grade reading level was a fourth grade student and worked very hard during the year to provide him the interventions he needed but it just wasn't enough He wasn't identified there was no other support he received outside of just me even though I worked very hard to provide documentation and we had to wait for such a long time before he got any kind of support and so at the end of the year when it came time to say um what what were the progress what's the progress for your classroom students and so the student was still not on reading level not making much progress progress and so Um, the comment the administrator made at the time was that um, some kids just fall through the cracks and um, this triggered a negative emotion as far as like just disbelief, um, disbelief that the feeling wasn't um, the feeling wasn't like we're doing whatever we can to close gaps wherever we can and that determination to to be able to do it. So hearing that was just like devastating for me and so just moving forward in, in my life and in, in career in, in education is to just ensure that kids are getting their individual needs met so that they could be successful in school and have the confidence they need to um do more in school so
0: okay so i think the gist of what she said is that she was told some kids just fall through the cracks we're all crying we're, I, th- I just I we're just, I all speechless I, we are
4: speechless because it's
0: we just, we just can't it's hard I mean I, you know that's a hard a hard thing to grapple with because understand like statistically speaking you're gonna have some there's always going to be a bell curve exactly. right there's always gonna be some people who are outliers outliers Uh, So I understand that, but the sentiment, like the just that, just some kids just fall through the cracks, like
4: like
3: just let them do.
4: There they are. I think
3: I think what affects me the most is that people use that as an excuse to not try, not try, or not give give kids their best, or not to just not do enough, not make it worth their time,
4: not teach at their level. Yeah,
3: and so it's like. Well, they're not going to make it anyway.
4: Well, so it's okay.
3: Some kids can't. And particularly I think for our friend here, I think when you when you do when you do what you have to do for the one, when you're providing the intervention, when you're trying, when you're seeing what's wrong, when you're finding the perfect book and providing support and calling home and monitoring and keeping track, I think a lot of teachers are doing what it takes for the one or the three or the five that they have to do that. But I think when you just say, like, it's not going to be worth it for the one or the three or however many kids you have. And it kind of takes me back to what Lizzie said um, a couple podcasts ago. Lizzie, we love you. Um, where she was talking about how, well, as long as my kids are okay right. or as long as mm-hmm. these kids make it, you know. And it's like, well, that mindset of, well, they're all ours and they're all, they all need to be. Mm -hmm. And and particularly, I'm going to go here, but a lot of the times those kids that fall through the cracks are English language learners, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of the times, like when you look at the data, Mm -hmm.
0: it's crazy. Or students who have learning disabilities. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I think sometimes that those kinds of, um, if it's a mindset, sometimes people just say dumb things, right? And then, and you take it to heart and you're like, damn, that was bad advice. But sometimes like, sometimes people just say dumb things and they don't actually mean it the way that it sounded um so you know i like to give people a little bit of the benefit of the doubt that maybe that's not exactly what they meant like just don't even try but at the same time i think like that if it is a mindset it it allows for structures to be built that the structure itself doesn't lend to meeting every kid at their need. And what I mean by that is like I have had conversations where I've said, you know what, we happen to have a lot of students that don't seem like they're going to make the the required improvement. So what if we regroup? What if, what if you take seven of these kids and I'll take three of yours and you and I just work together and co-teach and co-team? And even those conversations have sounded like I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that because at the end of the day, it's my name on the roster, and if the if you can't bring my kids along, or I can't bring yours along, then it's it's our name that's going to be in the staff meeting on the on the, the screen open. that says like Veronica's class only had 12 people pass, you know, like so I'm not taking anymore. I'm not I'm not going to do that, and so I think that. The mindset that some kids just fall through the cracks creates the attitude of, like, I gotta take care of what I have right in front mm-hmm. of me. Kind of like what you were saying, Jenny. Like, I'm not gonna worry about your problem because I need to focus mm. on my problem. I don't know. Yeah, so that it goes, makes me
4: sad. It goes back to even <laughs> I'm gonna shut the door and not worry about what's going on over there because you you really have to trust the teachers that you're working with in mm-hmm. order to group kids and share kids because You're 100% correct. At the end of the day, that's my name attached to To those 27 kids. To those 20, yeah, 22 kids. And if 10 of them don't make the growth they're supposed to, I have to answer to that. Right. And it's hard to let go
0: (laughs) for teachers. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you hear, well, some kids just fall through the cracks. mm Mm-hmm. Boo. Boo to that! It's it's totally totally that. boo. Okay, next. The worst advice
5: that I ever got was that I was told, "Let's so- focus on the child's personal and social emotional needs by finding a song or a welcome greeting when she arrives to school to make her feel comfortable." And my negative um, emotion that was triggered when I heard this was that this person was downplaying. The obvious needs that this child has, um, it's very apparent that she has something going on that is hindering her learning in pre-K that is not going to help her get ready for kindergarten. So fortunately, I found um, somebody else who noticed that there is something going on with this baby and hopefully will get her the services that she needs to get her kindergarten ready.
0: So whenever we first heard that clip, we were like, wait, what, singing a song? But now I, I get it. I told, when I thought about it and I'm like, oh, this makes 100% uh, sense to me. Sometimes pre-kindergarten classrooms can be the busiest classroom on on your campus because mm-hmm. you have no idea what's happening because they can't they're not always communicative yet and so you don't know why they're doing <laughs> why are you naked <laughs> why, <laughs> why are you, you under shoes? the table <laughs> what is happening right now God bless like, you pre K teachers yes Amen um, you know it's it's <clears throat> adorable but it it's hard too because you they really they're demonstrative in ways that older students are not. So they, when I said, why are you naked? I literally remember a student in (laughs) pre-K that would take their clothes off if they were angry about something. Um, And that is not an easy problem to solve (laughs) (laughs) or explain um, to everybody else in the classroom. Um, Pre-K students, you know, they're angry in different ways. They might bite each other they pull each other's hair um, they knock each other off of the slide um, and and none of it is really malicious it's that they are grappling with how am I supposed to deal with this emotion that I'm feeling and so it's really hard so I understand what what our friend is saying when she's like so to come tell me like we'll just sing them a song in the morning that'll
4: make it all better
3: then they
0: won't take their
4: clothes off sing
3: lots of songs (laughs) every morning
0: pre-k is is
3: so, what, so the problem that our friend was describing is that there was a child that had severe needs and someone told her, well, just sing to her. Right. As if the song was going to solve or provide tests or improvement plans or anything, a true intervention that would give that child support that she needed. And so that's why our friend was frustrated. That's terrible yeah. advice because this but child obviously needs more. We're already doing... I mean, any any kind of pre-K teacher can... Sing their way through the day. Sure, you know, they're already doing that as a, as a way to for engagement and letters. So obviously learning. this this for learning. They sing mm-hmm. for learning. So obviously this child needs more, and so she's really frustrated with. I like that she used that the word like
0: downplay. Like don't downplay. downplay it. And I think that although they are the busiest, <clears throat> sometimes the busiest classrooms on a campus, um, they are also sometimes regretfully a little neglected because they're not held to any state accountability system. And so, you know, when you are on a big campus, a pre-K eight campus or a pre-K five campus, you, a lot of your time and attention does go to
3: three upper to grades. Five,
0: the mm-hmm. upper grades, because they're going to be held to a state accountability system. So um, I, I tried really hard to pay attention to my pre-K hmm. classrooms because I could feel their pain. And I knew it because I was watching it unfold. Like, I don't know what to tell you when it comes to...
4: And I think a lot of the times they get told, well, they'll grow out of it. Yeah. It, it'll. Let's see if they have that same behavior next year. So they're going through a whole year of singing a song to them. Yeah. There there has
3: to be more. I think there has to be like, well, how much is developmentally appropriate Mm -hmm. and how how much of it do we need to provide support and interventions for now? You Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. so our friend is really
0: frustrated with that. Sorry, friend. I hope this sparks some good conversations, particularly for early childhood. Yes.
3: Okay. Here's our next one.
1: Hi. The worst advice I've ever received um, was from my principal. When she told me um, and the rest of the English department that she didn't want us reading books in the classroom, <laughs> um, I did mention I'm, I'm an English teacher, <laughs> so obviously that becomes problematic, but I think the real kicker for me was the moment when she also addressed the entire faculty and staff and said that she wanted our literacy scores improved because they were our lowest area. So, I'm an English teacher. (coughs) Overall, my students really struggle um, with their literacy and their writing skills. And yet, we're not supposed to be reading books in the classroom. It really left me feeling like, what the hell am I doing here? (laughs) Um, So, it's the worst advice I've ever
4: received.
0: I'm going to go back to sometimes people say stupid things. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, well, what are you supposed to mean? <laughs> yes.
3: That's a hard one. What?
0: It's so hard. I don't know. I don't, I, know. <laughs> I, don't I, I mean, I can't explain it. Like, except maybe test skills are more important than authentic reading.
3: That's the only thing like, that I yeah. can think of.
0: Test prep is that Just they need to sheet. see
3: it in a different format rather than the love and joy of reading a book that they like.
0: <laughs> which is so gross. It's crazy. <laughs> it's just gross, because every teacher I know is an avid reader. Okay, uh,
3: that's
4: fair.
0: So We like to read. Mm-hmm. I like to read. We love to read. I mean, the but teachers that I All know here. are avid readers.
4: Even if it's just, you know, those 32-page picture books, you know the current books that are out. You right. know you which know. books are going to engage your students and which ones will teach this skill right Um, so yeah how else are you going to teach those skills that are needed
3: I don't know read the
0: best reading reading intervention is reading is reading reading. right just read the only way you get better at anything is by doing doing it it. you you, that makes no sense to me which is why I say like I'm gonna go back to people sometimes say stupid things like that
3: But then I don't know. I taught middle school ELA, and it's like there's a difference between like right now we're reading, and here's the purpose, and we're setting a purpose for reading. Like, what you're gonna find three examples of figurative language in your chapter, and you can choose whatever you want to read. Or, other times, sometimes it was the kids were reading. But it's like they would walk out and I didn't, I had no feedback as to yeah. what they had read or if right. there was any comprehension. So there's right. also like a,
0: yeah, you're oh, reading for enjoyment. Okay, you make a and really great
3: point. Like my students are reading for enjoyment and I tell them, I'm not going to give you an assessment. There's not going to be, this is your time. You choose the book. And then there was other days when it's like, no, there's a purpose because this so-and-so teaks say that you have to summarize this, 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 and then say, okay. And so I think it's also a balance because I wanted them to enjoy their book. I wanted them to enjoy reading. So with the same text, the same self-selected text, authentic reading, they'd have to. Mm -hmm. But I think they have to enjoy reading in order
4: to do those skills. Yeah. In order to have or to write a summary or know the summary of a book, they need to be able to stay engaged with that book and read. Right. So let them
0: Read. read. But, but yeah, I do think there is, like what Jenny was saying, there's always a danger of fake reading happening. I hate right? the fake reading. I hate yes. the fake re- reading, too. So, so I'm going to take the side of the administrator for a second and say, like, there may have been times where she walked into someone else's classroom, maybe not our friend, but someone else on the campus, that there was a lot of fake reading.
3: Fake reading.
0: Yeah. Happening. It, if that and, was
3: happening, I was principal, I'd say no one No more no, no more one reading. R- put your reading. books away.
0: We're done reading in this school. Nobody's reading. She meant to say... I want to see explicit reading instruction. Exactly. No more fake reading. No more. There fake has to be a purpose reading. for reading. Set yes. a purpose. There, and, and That's what she meant to, be to say. Explicit instruction because a lot of reading, you know, I, I went to um, I went to some training sometime and they they made a really good uh, they they laid it out really well where they said you know you can tell a student a lot of what comprehension questions are is reading between the lines. And then they had a student come and tell them, "I there's nothing between my lines. <laughs> like, I keep going back to reread, and there's still nothing between my lines. It's just so it space, is, page. it has to be explicit instructions yeah. where you are modeling think alouds and you are modeling yeah. what's happening. what is happening in a, a proficient reader's mind as you read that I am. One time I had to explain to a student, like when you're reading, you're supposed to be sort of making a movie about mm-hmm. what you're reading mm-hmm. in your mind. And he was like, we're allowed to do that. Oh, it's mental like, yeah, like you can't. <laughs> so it does have to be explicit instruction where you are actually saying this is what should be happening as you're reading even if it's for enjoyment you should be making this little trailer in your mind of what's happening in the book and why would the author say it that way you know what if what if the story hadn't ended that way or what why is this part important and that's not an easy you can't do that if everyone is just silently reading a different book yeah
3: it's true it's true i get
0: that
4: and then
3: I don't know. I always had like four books
4: going. So another thing. Yeah, because you can do that, I think, if it's taught beforehand. Right. And you are doing a classroom book, and then you... And then you
0: release them to go. Then you release
4: them to go and pick their own book.
0: But if I walked into a room and everybody was always silently reading... Their own book. Their own book, then I would wonder. Puro pedo. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Put your books away. Put your books away. Start teaching. Stop Mm -hmm. reading. Do
3: not read in this classroom. Also, (laughs) like I've seen... I've seen where teachers do the reading as a means to, like, let 45 minutes go by fast. Like, I've been in lots of ELA classrooms, and then when you check for understanding, the kids don't know yeah. what the heck. Um, another thing I think that our friend is battling, or I think all middle teachers, is just some of our kids have already been burned, and they straight up in their mind, they're like, I hate reading. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hate it. And so it's also a balance of, like, well, we read lots of things. We read menus. We read right that little message on Instagram, your caption, that's mm-hmm. reading, you know,
4: all the way to reading for enjoyment. All. I, I remember even as a first grade teacher, uh, that parents would come to me and be like, well, they want to read a comic book or they want to read this. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay let them let them read let i them. don't care as long as we have they all the dog mans,
3: hombre perro in spanish
4: <laughs> <laughs> have you seen them? <laughs> let no. them read all <laughs> the awesome. captain underpants oh my the it's, it's the same diary author diary of a wimpy kid yeah let <laughs> them all them day it. long go yeah. for it let mm-hmm.
0: them read all right all
4: let's
0: right. go to our
3: next one
1: i wish i could say that the worst advice i've ever received was something that only happened once Unfortunately, I've heard it all too many times in multiple places from multiple teachers and that advice is don't even try with that student They're hopeless The fact that a teacher an adult would say that a student is hopeless a child who's still learning and growing it I can't even describe how angry that makes me feel. There are so many kids where we are oftentimes the best that they have and If we can't meet them where they are and try and help them grow, then we shouldn't be in this profession. So I try to see the best in kids. And even on those days when they make me want to scream, Mm -hmm. it's my job to be the adult and help them and guide them along the way.
4: You do not understand what a negative, I guess, connotation that brings when I hear them just be like, Ah, eh, that kid. You know, don't worry about that kid. They're hopeless.
3: Hopeless. I uh, on on honestly, I think I don't know. Well, this I, I think that if if I'm having a bad day, or if any of us are having a bad day, then we're hopeless too. You know. So if we just get a kid that does the wrong thing at the wrong time because of whatever they're coming in with, and you write them off for the year forever, you know
4: but um. and i and i wonder too um this takes me back to um to my oldest son being in elementary school and i wonder is it the student is it the teacher's perception of what that student is or where he's coming from that mm. that they write them off mm-hmm. um i know i my oldest son Way, way back, he's he's in his mid-20s now, but when he was in second grade, there was a teacher that, no, first grade, it was like that first half of the year, oh, he can't learn, he can't, he can't. Get him tested, get him tested, got him tested, nothing wrong with him, or, you know, whatever. And so... <laughs> Unquote. And so, <laughs> so then the next half of the year, it was like, oh no, he's fine. He's learning. He's picking it up. His grades are awesome. Now he's a behavior problem. So I, I wonder, are they hopeless? Because, because you ch- decided that? Because you decided that for whatever reason yeah. in your mind. Yeah. So,
0: I do think that sometimes you get paired up with a personality yes. um, mm-hmm. that you're not compatible with. like With an adult, adult yeah, and kid. Don't adult work. and kid, sometimes their yeah. personalities oh, are just not compatible. Like you just, for whatever reason, you're just not a good match. And then mm-hmm. all of these problems yeah. mm-hmm. become so apparent, right? Because it's like. You Everything stick sticks down. out. Everything sticks out because you're just not a good personality match. So when I was an administrator, I was always really hesitant to move people out in or out of classrooms once school had already started. But there were times where I would say like, you know what? It's going to be better for everybody if yeah. we switch classrooms because this is just not a good personality fit. And you're they're never going to see the beauty in each other. Like no. it's not going to. This student is never going to appreciate what a great teacher they have, and the teacher's never going to appreciate what a great student that is because it's just not a good personality fit. And I think that
3: that's true, but I think what our friend here is describing is another adult trying to convince
0: someone else to not try
3: try with that kid or something's (laughs) wrong with them or it's not worth their time. But, but it's like maybe they're going to do something different that you didn't think
4: about or right. mm-hmm. and i think those are the kids that i always end up trying the hardest with
0: yeah the you're ones, really good at that i love
4: it <laughs> the ones that i'm like mm mm-mm. everyone else has given up on them yes they are like my favorite they become my favorite yeah um i guess we're not supposed to have favorites but sometimes we
0: do sometimes we do we do this is the real world, Veronica. <laughs>
4: <Just
3: kidding. laughs> I remember a teacher that I heard. Um, I can't remember her name right now, but she said, "You can have favorites. The kids can't ever know. Exactly. You know, right. and it's like right. You don't have to like them all, but the kids can never ever tell.
0: You know. Sometimes <laughs> I don't even realize that I had a favorite till that student's not in my class anymore. Oh, yeah, and, you're and like, then I'm like, you? man, what happened? I'm, Where are they? I don't like not having that puzzle to solve. Yeah, I kind of like not having that. I'm bored today. All y'all people are (laughs) easy. easy.
4: (laughs) So I think I still get in trouble. Uh, I have a different role. I'm not in the classroom anymore. So I don't get to know the students the way I used to. But I still get in trouble because when students come into the office, that's like the first thing I do is like, so what are you doing? What are you here for? What'd you do last night? Where'd you go? And I want to know everything (laughs) about them because I want to get to know them because they're in the office for a reason Mm -hmm. but then i i need to i feel i need to get to know that student better to help them in some way what can i do for you
0: (laughs) right i think that don't even try is also
4: don't even try
0: a symptom of just being burnt out yeah sometimes
3: that's real talk yeah you're just burnt out to try no matter what I'm really scanning my mind to see, to think if I ever said that to another adult about, about a don't kid. Don't even but, try? Like with him, like, no, it's not worth it, but I don't think I'm that, No, I don't think I ever did that. I was always with my cuckoo birds and hanging out in the hallway and doing <laughs> crazy things. Um, so that kind of leads us into our next mm-hmm. taking the yeah, time.
2: Okay, the worst advice I ever received, uh, this was my first year as an assistant principal and another assistant principal told me, hey, when you get a discipline referral, what you need to do is go quickly, process the referral, get the kid out of your office, because we get like about 30 referrals a day. And we don't have time to kind of go through it and find out anything. We just need to get through the referral. So go quick. And if you feel like you need to talk to the parents, call them at the end of the day, baby, or the next day but get through the referral. And it was the worst advice I was ever given because it triggered for me the sense of, wait a minute, I want to take my time with students, I want to get down to the root cause and really understand where this kid's coming from. I don't care if we get 30 referrals, there's a root cause behind why we're getting the 30 referrals. Maybe we should look at that, not so much of being quick and speedy in the process of of discipline referrals. So it was not a good piece of advice. And it's those ones that you take in, it goes in one ear and out the other, and you nod your head and you smile and wave, but you know, in your heart of hearts, it's not the right kind of
4: advice. I, I think what I just said kind of fits that.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. Exactly. Goes uh-huh.
4: into, leads right into that.
0: <clears throat> if you so. want the behavior to change, you have to invest in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Short of that, it will be a recurring behavior because you haven't, like that person was just saying, you haven't gotten to the root cause, so you can expect for it to keep happening. You can treat the symptom and say, today you have lunch detention, tomorrow you have out-of-school suspension, tomorrow... You, or You know, you can go through the gamut of all the hierarchical ways of disciplining students and progressive discipline, but at the end of the day, if you haven't addressed the root cause, it's just going to continue to happen. So, you know, I see... To your point, Veronica, you got to build a relationship with that kid so that they know that you you expect something different from them. And they care that you expect something different from them.
4: Well, we want to know what's going on in their lives. Uh, You know, I, for one, want to know what's happening at home. What are we doing? What's the background? Where are you going? When you leave here, what are you doing? Um, Maybe that'll give us some insight as to why the behavior is happening and honestly the first time I heard this we were all together but I was
3: like I don't even need to look at the root cause of that child but (laughs) why are there 30 referrals a day (laughs) let's look at some root causes some school wide procedures some Some systems that aren't working or cultural pieces something is happening why are there 30 across the school every day and so far so it sounds like our friend was the AP and there was someone else that was like telling her like just get them get through them quick well instead of and, and that this is worth our time that that this is if, if anything on campus whether it's an LPAC or a parent comes in or so-and-so's coming to visit our kid our students staying in class is worth our time out of all mm-hmm. the things
4: and so I'm like what not why, why are there 30 referrals yeah. but
3: like <laughs> <getting laughs> processed what's happening out. <laughs> what's going on what's over going here? on in so the classroom the, f- the first time I was like I, I think about you know how many referrals how many referrals we were, you know, we would have to turn around in middle school, and and why, and then how we would be, we'd look at that data constantly to be like, how do we stop kids from leaving our room? You know, mm-hmm. yeah,
0: I mean, I think it becomes a culture piece, like your campus culture. It depends on what what teachers are writing up on referrals. You know, is it because this is the seventh time you haven't had your homework? Is The sixth time you've come without a pencil, it's the tenth time I've told you not to chew gum. It's what you know what I'm saying? Like it Mm -hmm. just depends if those are the bulk of your referrals or is it thirty fist fights every day? Like what are the referrals? Because there's a big difference. Spectrum. There's a huge (laughs) spectrum of behavior. Right. referral. Right. on, on what gets reported as a discipline referral. I also think it's maybe
4: I never as a teacher wanted to call the office or send students to the office because to me it was like there went my power. I just threw everything out the door when I sent them to the office and then they came back and they're like, I'm back. Some
3: days I'd work with my AP and be like, I'm going to send you so-and-so when they need a break, but they're not going to be in trouble and it's going to be something like, they need to bring you something, but I just need them to just... Be out of my room, even if they're going to be gone for 12 minutes, because that's how long it takes them to get there and back. <laughs> right, they need it. I need it. It's just better for everybody involved. Better let, for everybody. Let this but kid it's not a, a referral. sort paper clips. I don't care. Right. right. Let them just they need a minute and so do
4: I I always had that one special student <laughs> one special take this to the
0: office and, and I would touch staple every it. door between here and there
4: <laughs> like let me staple this note together so that they couldn't read it when oh but they whoever. did you know they did well, they're smart when they got there it would be like <laughs> I needed a break
0: <laughs> keep it, him for everything two minutes was in cursive send writing him back. so no one <laughs> right.
4: no one knows cursive anymore <laughs>
0: John does. Said my son John. Yeah, Finn. John does because I taught him. Because uh, yeah,
4: no. Miss
0: Garza Sorry. taught him. Miss Garza
4: <laughs> taught him because she was my break. Yeah. Go see Miss Garza. Yes. See her for cursive lessons. <laughs> yes. Okay. I next step. I love John. Hi,
1: Stephanie. So the worst advice I was given was from a teacher who had been working twenty plus years. I was in the copy room one day and I was making copies and she said, honey, make sure you keep a copy for yourself. She explained to me all the reasons of why I should keep everything, everything I've created, any workshop I went to, to save it because you're going to just need it one day. So after years of being in the same classroom, I was finally having to move and I started packing up all my stuff and I stumbled upon a closet filled with what? files upon files, binders, folders of stuff from worksheets to workbooks to things I got from trainings. Did I ever open it? No. I felt like I needed an intervention so I did what I needed to do and I threw it away.
4: Man, I have seen some teacher hoarding. <laughs> I was just going to say, teachers are the worst hoarders
0: ever. Ever. For real. For real. Mm-hmm. Throw it's it. It's bad. For real. It. <laughs> it's really real. bad. No, it's it. bad. Guys. It's so bad.
3: So gross. <laughs> so my first year teaching, I think this is what I'm like, I will never. Um, my mentor teacher, um, she, I came in the Monday after spring break. And she was like, oh, don't worry, I'll, I'll get you, we'll get you what you need. And so I was like, okay, she's, we're going to go to the store and we're going to, no, 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 in her own classroom, <laughs> she would like move the curtains and have like six of one center. And she's like, you can have two of these. And they'd be new. They'd be in fresh Lakeshore packaging from like 1994. And I'm like, this package is new and it's older than me. Just, <laughs> it was obscene. And never
4: used. And never, and never used. used.
3: And it's like we're always waiting for the per- perfect moment or the the i don't know i don't even know what where that I, for
0: the perfect okay, student but, to use gary
3: mindset comes from
0: uh i don't know but i've seen it play out in our little group when we have at the end of book club and it's like don't throw that box away <laughs> wait wait, oh, wait. i need that foil that's pan Jimmy. for me i'm pretty yes, sure i could use that foil you. foil pan for something do not throw
4: that away okay. i can use it for something <laughs> that same week as we were driving right away here.
3: from our brunch, I saw like four people under I-35. So in my mind, I'm like, I, if I had that in my car, I would have <laughs> popped the trunk open and just let them have this No, like no. We're not talking buffet.
4: food. We no, are no. talking. Okay, the second <laughs> the second one. tin pans.
0: Right, like I think I could try our projects on that. We, <laughs> our son Daniel. And we, I'm still teaching. I teach gifted students. We, need we build stuff
3: out of trash. And then that same week, <laughs> That we y'all we had thrown all that stuff away. <laughs> mm-hmm. Daniel made this like ha- ocean habitat landform. Okay, and it was all made out of it was it was the croissant plastic from H E B. It was the Christmas. But are you saying bin. that you
4: couldn't have found that stuff at your house? Well, I no. will say that yes, last last year it was taken out of the my, recycle. My bin. daughter
0: needed to make a shoebox float, and I was like. Oh, hell, I threw every shoebox away. <laughs> like, I didn't have a shoebox. I had to go buy a pair of shoes. So I could oh, my gosh.
4: You're like, that's
3: easy. Oh, well, that's easy. I'll Looks like we're getting a new pair, pair of shoes. Of
0: shoes.
4: <laughs> Sorry. I, 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 all teachers are hoarders. Yes. <laughs> They're all hoarders. And I think that we all start out that way because we don't start teaching with a bunch of stuff. We need pins. We need we paper. Do. We need all this stuff. So we're like, oh, I've got to save it. I've got to keep it And 90% of the time, it came out of our own pocket. T- and so I think it... 100% it came out of our own pocket. Enhances that. I need yeah. to keep this. We need to keep this. We spent money on this or our time. And so we've got to keep it. And I think as the years have gone by, I have... Purged and just said, I don't need any of this anymore. And I just keep binders. I keep mm-hmm. three inch binders.
0: That's it says binders.
4: <laughs> it says I like binders. Math, <laughs> reading, <laughs> social studies, and science, writing, and anything that I have goes in there. And then, like, data. That's it. I do think like it's going to get binders. better.
3: Like, I think of myself and I laugh at you because. <laughs> Every single time I have something that's a paper copy, I'm like, I'm going to scan it into a PDF and I'm going to put it into a file. So now it's like digital hoarding. So right. if you look on my desktop, literally my MacBook keeps blinking, disk is full, because I have stuff from 2012 when I taught <laughs> kindergarten that I'm like, nope, I'm going to need that. I'm going to need know. that. and I'm, I, 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 I know exactly where to find that file. And so I think it's turning into digital hoarding. So it's getting a little bit better.
4: But at some but, point, or like flash drives
3: that I just can't ever get rid of because yeah, it's my I whole. Have, you've got I have my so and so unit is on that
4: flash drive. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's I gonna think, get better. We're getting better. I I think that this last when I switched from being out of the classroom and I started looking at all my papers, all the you know USBs that I had, and I would see like 2008. I'd be like, okay, okay I think that I was, can, I can get,
3: get rid of this. Yeah aren't the, <laughs> right. the same
0: teaks anymore they're not right. the same teaks anymore when it was tax that can go <laughs> you know it gets tax. real crazy when you tell people you're gonna change classrooms and oh then it's like
3: which is what happened to our friend right she was like <laughs> i got told i was gonna move classrooms and then when did i stop stum- and it cracks me up she says i stumbled upon a closet <laughs> like, it wasn't i didn't even like, know i had like, a closet, I didn't even closet. Know, all
4: this stuff was there <laughs>
3: i stumbled upon a closet full but that's
4: why i don't keep anything because i the first time changed classrooms i was like okay i just had a mound of stuff and i was like kids take all the books take do you want that yes take it home take the markers take the crayons take the construction paper and then every year i'd be like nope i don't need it nope i don't need it so i'm down to to bare bones and i'm okay with that Mm
3: -hmm. i don't think we're all okay with that
4: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was out of the
3: classroom I't taught kindergarten for four years when I finally gave kindergarten my kindergarten stuff away. but it's because i th- I think about how I had to like find the center and print it onto cardstock in color and go to like and back then, it, and then and then laminate it and then cut it and put yeah. it into like these color coded bins. It- for the months of the year, where it's like here's all my snowflake centers, right? Here's all my heart centers for February. Here's my spring stuff. It's just like it's hard because if
4: you t- laminate it. That's permanent because
0: heaven oh, knows when the laminating machine attacked. will
4: work again. That's true.
3: <laughs>
0: yes. You're out of you're out of film, ma'am. There was a teacher that <laughs> moved from there to
3: Kinder, and I literally took her my bins, and I'm like, I just want you to know <laughs> <laughs> that this is serious. That I'm really that I really believe in you, and I love you as a teacher. <laughs> and I can't believe I'm doing this. And she's like, thank you. And it's like, I love her so much. She gave me a $10 Starbucks gift card and I was like, oh no. <laughs> there's nothing you could ever get. I was totally grateful, but I'm like, there's nothing you could ever give me that could replace all right. the years of hoards and, yeah. and stuff. But kindergarten's different because you have to have like five different centers and three different levels and then rotate them every week. So you turn into this like hoarder mm-hmm. of literacy and math manipulatives
0: so anyway. bottom line is you probably don't need a copy for yourself <laughs> unless it's a digital copy yeah and organize okay. it yeah or you have a very a three inch binder no, three for that inch topic yeah. and no, that's three it inch yes that's it do it nothing I'm else whispering no you don't need it. if you haven't seen it or touched it in the last year year one year one year get rid throw of it away it. And just also take an account. That
3: the give it away. For math give it to someone who's just starting. I gave to write. it away.
0: Give it away. Or I throw
3: gave it away. away. And literally, this past summer, one of my really good friends, Lindsay, she's she's an amazing teacher, and she came in, and I was like, I have pocket charts and like fifteen sets of fun scissors and all these things. I'm Like, take them, just take them. And she's like, Yes. So
0: mm-hmm. you just have to
3: realize that somebody else needs it more than your garage does or your closet. Exactly. Mm-hmm. There's always someone to share it with.
0: Always. All right. We're turning good advice into bad advice here today. I mean the opposite. We're changing bad advice into good advice. All right, next one.
5: The worst advice I ever received was to allow students to use their cell phone in my class. That apparently it wasn't worth the fight. The negative emotion was that I resented those teachers, that veteran teacher, for such awful advice. I knew better and I was a first year teacher.
0: So that's a tough one, right? Uh, using com- cell phone. some conversation.
4: Right. Even here, I think we talked about it. And
0: so it depends on how they're uh, you know, using
4: their cell phone.
0: Right. But I think, like, the bottom line is when you are in your classroom and someone else says something's not worth the fight, just give in to it, that's hard. Um, They've given up. Right. Like, just let them do whatever they want because it's not worth the argument. I think when she's, when it was her first year teaching, or even
3: my first year of sixth grade, I think that we had to have some very clear parameters. I'm like, you can only have this in your Google bar. You're going to keep your phone flat. If an administrator walks in, I'm literally posting a sign outside the door that says technology news. So I right. think that it's morphed into like, now we're using Flipgrid as our exit ticket. Right. Or like when you walk in, you have to do your Nearpod for the first 15 minutes of class. So I think, I think instructional, I think we can't. A part of me, I want to take what that teacher says. It's not worth the fight, and I think as an educational landscape, we've decided it's not worth the fight. This is totally a tool, and we're not going to fight it. So, how do we use?
4: How are you going the, to incorporate that into yeah. your lesson?
3: This this kids this thing that these students are really engaged with into benefiting whatever it is that our objective is for the day? Right. Yeah. yeah. So,
0: but I if think... they're making, if they're Snapchatting their friends. <laughs> Yeah. No. That's different. Yeah. Like that's different. It's different. Right. So I think
3: setting the culture and parameter. And I, I think our first year of middle school, the kids would have to put their phone in like a little shoe pocket. Yeah. And like they'd have to shake my hand. I'd take them in. I'm like, no, you have you have iPads and laptops. You don't need your phone in my class. And that's true. Like they didn't need it because they had so many. But if that's all you have and you're trying to do a flip grade or t- do a a research project, or they're trying to look up a picture, it doesn't make sense for us to not look up how to to let them use Mm -hmm. it. Let them use it. They're using it as a tool. So that's a hard one.
4: And I think it's the that um, is changing, like recent, I think within the last couple of years, Um, just even like three years ago, I remember walking into a middle school classroom and it was like, oh, this is how it's done. You know, she did have that pocket chart, but in each one of those little pockets was a charger. So, not only did they have to store, but they, they need charge it they, they could want to charge that. their phone. That's brilliant. They want to put it away. They want to put it away because they need to charge yeah, their phone. Yeah, they do. Because their then, mama's
0: going to text them and say, walk to the building after school today.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'm always texting so my I. son, and then I'll expect an answer. And yes. then once he's done answering me, I'm like, why are you on your phone during school? Me too.
0: I do the same thing. I'm so, like, okay, now stop talk- texting right. me.
4: Get off your phone. Pay attention. I also um, think it's
3: incredible how you the same tool that they use for Snapchat or Fortnite or all these things, that, that same tool can u- be used for you to find out when this event happened. Like, we don't need to spend right. all this mm-hmm. time memorizing it because you need to know how to use The the higher processes Mm -hmm. of why, but Mm -hmm. for them to be like, oh man, miss, I didn't even know I could look that up. I'm like, yeah, there's all these, you have all these resources, district approved resources that you can use your device on and you can be at home using those same devices. So I think the more that we get our kids into that mindset of this same um, tool that I use for Snapchat can be used for all these things. And it's not going to go away. Like all of our, even at university level, it's all mostly eBooks, you know, Mm -hmm i'm that nerd that right. i was like i'm gonna go get my real book
0: <laughs> I, I, I am totally I need that highlighter real, i need a real
4: i need that book. highlighter but i think we established that last time yeah. i need <laughs> old need school, school. <laughs> i need the book but um yeah. anyway okay. that's great yeah. yes
3: that's that's a tough one though it because is. i think if you don't know how to how to how to manage roll it, it out and manage it and that, make
0: it instructional
3: yes it could get ugly it could fast get crazy.
0: I know.
4: I I was just thinking too, especially in our classrooms when we we may not have enough technology for our kids to look up or here's your own each individual iPad. They do have their phones and they are able to log on and Mm -hmm. look this up and find this out. So it keeps them engaged. A Way back when, when Kahoot was like the funnest thing, thing, the thing thing to use. It's like,
3: I literally would post a sign that was like, instructional technology and use for instructional purposes because our district policy was no personal devices in the classroom. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I'm not getting written up for this. Like, <laughs> we're playing Kahoot. <laughs> this is the apartheid. Okay, let's see. Next one. All right, so the worst advice I ever
4: received was that you can only reach the kids that you can reach. You can't be worried about everybody. Uh, no. Negative emotion that was triggered by this was just the low
2: expectations for students and for teachers and for treating students who may have low grades and a summative assessment that they're not
3: worth my time or my energy or my effort and that growth isn't an important measure as well.
0: I I just think it's that's a byproduct of standardized testing. I mean hmm. I don't know how many times how many people have come and said like you need to there comes a time in the school year where you are going to focus all of your greatest efforts On the bubble kids. Yeah, absolutely. The kids that are right on the cusp of being able to accomplish what the state says they should be able to accomplish for that grade level. And you're going to sort of release responsibility to the high flyers because they can handle it. And those that are so far behind that you can't ever catch them up in the time that you're given, you are going to have to... They are going to be the the lesser priority because mm. you have this cohort of students who are just right there in the bubble, right about to be able to pass. That you need to focus, focus on. on. So I think what she experienced is a byproduct of test t- testing, like I, and it's co- it's so it's common, very common, very common. It's not right. I don't. I I don't. I don't think it's right. But I think. It is what happens. Yeah. And,
4: and I think we have to <clears throat> remember in our classrooms and, and remind our students. It's I think that's our job to remind our students that you may not be meeting this standard. But you know what? You have grown. Absolutely. At the beginning of the year, you were here. And now you have jumped and you are here. You celebrate all the little accomplishments, even if it's not what they say or where they say you're supposed
0: to be Mm -hmm. doesn't
4: matter you've grown and you need to celebrate that
0: i do really like the the growth measure Mm -hmm. of standardized testing because i think it is important if you Mm -hmm. you know you having been a fifth grade teacher there were plenty of years where i had a fifth grade student who was reading at a kindergarten or first grade level and i have 10 months that's all i get i get 10 months of Mm -hmm. my life and their life to figure out how to get them from a first grade level to a sixth grade level so that when they leave fifth grade they are reading at a sixth grade level and they are ready and prepared for sixth grade and that is not a lot of time 10 months It's flies by you know 183 days (laughs) that's it's not a lot of time a lot of time it's not a lot of time it's not a lot of time (laughs) um so it is hard it's tricky because you do you do realize and recognize like I I don't have all the time in the world what am I going to do for these hundred and eighty three days that's going to make the most impact and and keep a student from feeling like they are a failure even if they fail a test they are not a failure when they've gone from reading at a first grade level to reading at a fourth grade level by the end of 10 Absolutely. Months, 183 days. Right.
3: And for those of uh, listeners that don't know, so the state um, measures the first domain is student achievement, so how many students pass the actual exam. But the second domain is um, student growth. So a school can qualify in either domain one or domain two. So if a student grows, you get the same amount of credit for them, basically, right. in the state size. So a lot of the times, a lot of our students, just like Jen was saying, they're not going to be reading at a fifth grade level in fifth grade. But they made four years worth of growth in those in that in those ten months. They grew four years, so it's something to be praised and for the kids to, to acknowledge mm-hmm. that that happened.
4: And it's not to say that that's not important for our campus. I mean, it's it's one of those. It's tricky. It's hard to back up, and it's hard to do. But we know it has to be done. But I always um, think about the students too, because I also have to think about how this affects them in the long term of them not passing or or what they perceive themselves to be because they didn't pass and i just remember i was sent i think by you jen that video of of the and i have sent it out a million times since then of students who didn't pass or i think it's like one Mm -hmm. person who didn't pass the star test and he made a video about it and how it didn't define him as a person right because they didn't pass. So I think we always have to remember that. And, you know, even though it's okay, we know you made growth, but this doesn't define you. That doesn't mean next year you won't pass. Exactly.
0: Exactly. I, I've never been on a job interview that said, how'd you do on your reading test in third grade? Right. <laughs> I wish they would ask me. <laughs> I rocked that. I man. rocked
3: that. <laughs> Commended. Tax. Done.
4: <laughs>
0: never not one time has anyone cared to know how I performed on my sixth grade social stuff or whatever it was, you know, like it's... They just want to know,
4: did you pass sixth grade? Maybe, I don't know. I
3: don't even think they'll ask you that. Because it's all cumulative, right? Right.
4: Not that. I don't know. But
3: I I think our friend really struggled with not having high expectations for anybody or not thinking about that everybody, because it happened to me last year when it was like, we're down to the count here. Kids are going to retest. Here's mm-hmm. the 12 that you're going to work with. I'm like, but mm-hmm. there's 48 on the failure list. They're like, nope,
0: you're going to, they're focus too far. Here's the 12, 12 that can, the can other, pass. Right. The 12
3: have a chance. The other 48 or whatever don't. And it's like, you're
0: crushed because like, you, but, you don't, you can't, because what if you were in the 48? But again, like that low it expectations sucks. mindset, it's kind of what I was saying earlier, that it creates a system where in that system you focus on, the middle group mm-hmm. and and it's hard to share responsibility back to the bell curve back to the bell <laughs> <Back> curve right <laughs> <laughs> but the students notice and
4: i think you, you that everybody's aware the students know well how come they didn't i didn't pass either how come you're not pulling me what's your answer Hmm. and the kids but, know they totally know they know
3: they yeah. know they absolutely know
0: well and the teachers do too because if you happen to have a cohort of students that are that far behind and no one is sharing the responsibility with you then you already know what your year is gonna look like yeah you know you know <laughs> the year of shame <laughs>
4: <laughs> you're like i'm just it's fine it's fine i'll it's take my it
0: year. It's, uh, yeah, it's fine
4: it's, it's, i had to, it had to happen sometime it's hard when they put your name up there with that percentage yeah it is so personal
0: However, if we were all doing it, if everybody owned all of the kids, then it wouldn't, right? Feel so heavy when it is. It's everybody's it's how we responsibility, did. and I think
4: that's what we try to do at the school. Is this isn't just my class? This is this You're, isn't my scores. Right, everybody's. You're
0: one piece of the pie. You're one sliver. So even if you are the even if you are the teacher it rocks it out of the park every year and you get a 95 you you are 99% of your student population in your classrooms have hit the mark every year for the last six years and you are a rock star teacher if the rest of your campus is in the 40s the the campus as a whole earns the rating and so you know it's that's why I said I gave the wrong advice in my early days when I said close the door Do what you have to do to make it work for your classroom. It was the wrong thing because even if my class rocked it every single year and the rest of the campus didn't, the whole campus gets rated as a poor school, a poorly designed school with teachers who have poor instruction. And it's had I opened my door or had if we all opened our doors and said, let's just tackle this together. Together. <clears throat> then things might have, might be different I think
3: absolutely I had a principal tell me that strong teachers don't make a difference with accountability like but our weak ones make a big difference and so you we were only as strong as our weakest teacher and so it was like right. doors open we're coming in and out we're sharing our we resources have to go watch. you're bringing your journals to plcs
4: we're talking we're teaching in front of each other mm-hmm We're a buffet of the best ideas. Well,
3: I
0: think like
4: Jen said, you can have 99%. But if the other three teachers have 40%, it's all added in there, and (coughs) your 99 is not 99 anymore.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So I guess the moral of the story today is. (laughs) The best (laughs) advice we can give
3: you. Let's turn it around.
0: Right. (laughs) The best advice we can give you is to talk to each other, communicate, um collaborate with each other in the truest sense of the word, right? Like open your doors, have the hard conversations, push back when you get bad advice. Absolutely. Push back on it. And 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 question it and say, well why why are things this way? And should they really be this way? Um and if you need help with that, then come find us.
3: So that's what we've created. We've created a platform for teachers across the city to link with each other and be stronger in numbers we're a professional network and we we are so grateful for all those stories that we just heard all those teachers were um it just takes one teacher to really make a difference and all of our friends had so much insight on on worst advice but I know that there's lots of other crazy stories out there of things that people have told you to do or not to do with students or with schools. so um share that with us find us on all social media platforms, email us info at saltcollective.io and share your stories with us. We'd love to hear more about what's going on in our San Antonio schools, public, charter, private, all of it. We're here for you guys.
0: Yep. And we know that there are Mm. tons of good advice. There's been tons of good Good advice advice. given, too. So don't think we're going to neglect that either. Um, We will certainly circle back and talk about all of the good advice that we've all received um, in our education career, and we will celebrate those things. So we just wanted you to know that we love you, teachers. No matter what time of the year you're hearing this, we know that um, teaching... I will it's, also say that it is Christmas break. <laughs> <laughs> when we're recording this right now, we are on it's Christmas. It's currently
3: break. Christmas, Christmas break, spaghetti. and all three of us are working. And we're probably going to go back and do some more s-
0: And do some more. I came from work to
4: meet you here to work some more, to go back to work in a little while. So
0: the whole point of miseducation (laughs) was to tackle some of the perceptions people have about teachers. And in the very, I think one of our very first episodes, we actually the last episode that the three of us recorded, we said one of the myths that we think people think is that a benefit of the job is that you're off on summers and off on break and... Um, certainly lies. certainly, we do take advantage of the times that we have off. But we also work during those times. Yeah. Um, and so Veronica had a work meeting this morning yep. that she wrapped up and then rushed over to meet us. And here we all are recording podcasts because it doesn't ever really turn off. It
4: doesn't. Um, Not for
0: teachers. No. no. Not for teachers. No. And I think our kids get...
4: I I know I always see the kids be, be, being hauled around with us, um, so I'm so always like, "Come on,
0: let's go." There are <laughs> let's see, six. We have six children between the three of us, like six of our personal children that we birthed, and um, they are all in one house alone right now. <laughs> so we're gonna wrap this. We're gonna wrap this episode up, um, but they're used to it because they are teachers. They're uh, teacher's, t- teachers' kids. They're teachers' kids. And TKs. they know. They know. They know. Mm-hmm. So we love you, and we hope you're enjoying your Christmas break like we are. Um, and we will talk again soon. Thank Thanks you for, yes. for listening you. to Miss Education.
3: Subscribe. Share it. You know it's good. Share it with all your friends. <laughs> and that mean teacher, too.
4: <laughs> share it with the mean Whoever teacher. Whoever gave you that bad advice, She share needs it, it more than anybody else. <laughs> she
3: needs salt more than anyone else.
0: See bye, guys. Bye. bye. Thanks. I'm Jen Maestas, and you're listening to Miseducation.
1: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.